The running time for this Rain Hamcast podcast is 15 minutes and 57 seconds. There is a station ID at 8 minutes and 55 seconds, and 3 second pauses every 2 minutes and 50 seconds for timer resets. I'm Kent Peterson, KC0DGY, with an archived Rain Hamcast podcast, read by Blair Elper, KA9SEQ, from 2004. For the week of March 12, 2004, this is the Rain Report. I'm Blair Alper, KA9SEQ. The lead story in the world press on November 18, 1978, was the mass suicide at the People's Temple Agricultural Settlement in Jonestown, Guyana. Jim Jones and 913 of his followers perished in that tragedy, in which Jones forced his flock to drink cyanide-laced punch. Those who resisted or tried to escape were summarily gunned down, including U.S. Representative Leo Ryan and his visiting entourage. There is an amateur radio connection to this story. Joey Diekman, KB7CCF, a history major at the University of Oregon in Springfield, has embarked these many years later on an ambitious research project to collect ham radio documentation connected to Jonestown. Hap Holly, KC9RP, spoke with Joey about his most unusual undertaking. When the uh, People's Temple Agricultural Settlement was built in Guyana in the mid-70s, their only means of communication from the jungle to their stateside affiliates was ham radio, mainly 77, 78. Ham radio had proved to be vital to their existence. It's how they communicated to Los Angeles and San Francisco. It's how they got updates as far as business occurrences that were uh, going on, finances. It's how they ordered things that they needed, parts for refrigerators, for instance, chickens. It's also how they communicated about current issues that uh, the temple was involved in as far as legal issues and things like that. They did have a station in, in Jonestown. They did have a station in Georgetown, which is where they had their overseas headquarters, Georgetown, which is the capital of Guyana. In 1978, there wasn't access to communications other than ham radio? Well, between Jonestown and the States, that's what they used. They probably had some phones in the Georgetown headquarters, but they weren't using phones to communicate to the agricultural settlement from Georgetown to Jonestown. So Jonestown was exclusively ham radio, and if they sent any letters out, you know, they had to go through Georgetown. Talk about your project. It is just involving everything that I can get my hands on that is related to ham radio and the People's Temple in, in the Jonestown Settlement. I really got started with it this last summer when I had contacted the Jonestown Research Institute in San Diego, and they're doing the majority of the work as far as uh, researching you know, the group and the tragedy. They've been working on it since day one, 25 years ago. His name's Fielding McGee, the head of the Jonestown Research Institute in San Diego, and he has been working on the bulk of the research. He's got over 900 tapes that the uh, FBI released, 900 audio tapes that they found in Jonestown. And he's busily transcribing those. One of the things that he told me was that the FCC had released tapes as well, and these were audio tapes of ham radio communications made by amateur 
operators listening into the conversations, and then they would record them and send them to the FCC. They were investigating the, the ham radio practices of the temple in Jonestown. They were operating off-band here and there, the conducting business using code. And we got to talking about this, and he had asked me, um, being a ham radio operator myself, you know, take a crack at transcribing these 25 tapes for him. There's a certain amount of ham radio jargon and lingo in there that he wasn't exactly familiar with. So I agreed, and I started transcribing these things. It sort of took off from there. I think the moment came when I realized that I wanted to, to really get into it. One of the tapes I was listening to, conversations between Georgetown and the stateside affiliate, a ham radio operator came in and was trying to speak to the operator in Jonestown and uh, was asking her where his QSL cards were because he had sent several cards himself and some green stamps. He was anxiously awaiting his QSL cards, and he gave his call sign. And I looked up his call sign, and then I emailed him and asked him if he ever got his card. And he did. I thought, that is really, really interesting how many other people out there you know, have a similar story. The temple had several different cards printed out. Very nice designs, very interesting. I started wanting to collect those. I mean, they do provide statistical information. They provide a little bit of insight. Of course, on the back of these cards, mostly it's their comments. It's all propaganda. And I'd like to get as many as I can to help with the statistical end of it. How many um, contacts were made and in June of 78 and July, and certainly I don't think I'll ever be able to come up with a comprehensive list because I'm sure that over the years some amateurs that had made contact with them in the late 70s had have become silent keys and, and maybe their cards were thrown away and their stories went with them. I'm also interested in cams uh, that may have been involved in making those recordings that were sent to the uh, FCC for their investigation. I've been able to track one down. He lives in Tennessee, and I'm working on getting copies of the things he he has. He made several of the recordings. He's got the tapes and his own personal notes in the logbook. Information like that, I think, would be really, really important. Now, I think it'll probably be about a year before I can begin to really start analyzing and looking critically at, at the stuff. The main goal here is to not only add to the information stockpile that we have, I'm doing it so I can get a, a better sense of what is true, what, what have we been told, what's been passed down as far as the history of, of this event and those people. What can we prove is true? What can we prove is, has been false? You know, we'll never arrive at the ultimate truth, but I think if we explore as many avenues as we can related to uh, the history of the temple in Jonestown, and this is just one small aspect of it. How many years was Ham Radio involved with Jonestown? Well, that's part of the data that I'm trying to gather. Of course, one of the questions that I would like to answer, they were on the air in, in, in 78 and 77, Anything earlier than that, I'm not exactly sure. There was three call signs associated with the temple, and I'm working on tracing how far back those licenses were held. The Jonestown call sign was WB6MID stroke 8R3, and the Georgetown call was WB6MNH stroke 8R1. And there was at least one stateside call and that was out of San Francisco, but I'm still working on who held the call. I'm not sure. The other two, I know the names of who held the calls, but the, the uh, San Francisco call was WA6 
DTJ. Delta Tango Japan. Correct. And you can't find in any database who was licensed to that call? Well, I'm currently trying to find someone on the Internet that has some old call books, some 1977 call books, 1978. Hopefully, working with them, we'll be able to find that information. There's a fourth call that's come up in some of my research I haven't heard before uh, that I would like to... Uh, check out as well and, and see who held that, if they indeed were temple members and what their status was within the, the temple. You're listening to a conversation between Rain's Hap Holly KC9RP and University of Oregon history major Joey Diekman, KB7CCF, concerning his research project collecting ham radio documentation connected with the People's Temple Agricultural Settlement, which perished as a result of a mass murder-suicide November 18, 1978, on South America's west coast in Jonestown, Guyana. This is the RAIN Report. Of course, you being a history major, this is right up your alley. It is, and it's a great opportunity for me to work with primary resources as a, as a history major. As an undergrad, you are reading what other people have written, and you are interpreting what other people have written articles and books. You're going and you're digging in with the original material. I'm not writing a book report or evaluating someone else's thesis. I am making my own. Very exciting. And being a history major, you know, you get to handle these things. Whether they're originals or copies, it's still very exciting because there's that connection. In this particular case, the person that this ham had made the contact with, you can't necessarily say that she's the one who filled out the card but she's the reason why he got a card. Gosh, for these particular cards, I know that she's still alive, this female ham that was in Jonestown. Have you spoken to this female ham who, is, who sent the QSL um, No, I've exchanged a few emails with her. Is she agreeable to talking about it, or is this something that she's not really divulging any information you don't already have? I'm going to lean towards that second one. She's written her own book. Let's just leave it at that. Joey, in those 25 tapes of actual ham radio communications between Jonestown and California, were you able to determine Jim Jones himself, who perpetrated the suicide? Did he have some involvement with the amateur radio communications? Oh, absolutely. He's on many tapes. It's not just the 25 that the uh, FCC released. You know, the, um, the temple had made their own recordings also, you know, of their communications. They recorded everything, you know, from their ham radio communications and their telephone calls and their meetings and whatnot. But as far as the ham radio end, absolutely. I've heard him several times on these tapes. I have been in contact with one amateur radio operator who has written an article about their connection with the uh, MarcoNet. Dr. Larry Shatt had checked in over the radio uh, from Jonestown, the medical net, and uh, he said oftentimes Jim Jones would be on there and that he wouldn't make any bones about who he was. He had no problem with uh, anyone knowing that he was on the radio. By and large, the tapes that I've transcribed and reviewed, it's nothing shocking, it's nothing mind-blowing or earth-shattering, but he's there. Jim Jones wasn't a ham himself, was he? No, he wasn't licensed, no. You do have a ways to go in this project, obviously. I can see why you're going to need perhaps a year or so. Yeah. You'll still be taking whatever kind of 
memorabilia, QSL cards, log entries from ham radio operators, you'll be taking that information, I'm sure, into the winter of 2005. Can you imagine trying to do this project without the Internet? It would be next to impossible because 100% of my leads and all the avenues that I have explored have been Internet-connected. I've got them through the Internet. I've sent out emails and heard back from people and checked out websites, things that I never knew existed. I just typed in random searches, and this stuff started coming up, and I thought, wow, this is great. I've got instant access to QRZ to look up calls that I hear on these tapes or that call sign that uh, other hands have mentioned to me in emails, and I've been able to place phone calls after finding phone numbers. I just couldn't imagine doing it without the Internet. Every time I get an email, I'm thrilled. I just want to keep them coming, you know. I want to uh, keep the ball rolling. I would be most interested to learn, as I know you would, who that station in San Francisco was that handled so much of the Jonestown communications, but who we can't seem to find anymore. After November 18, 1978, the Jonestown call, the call that they used in Jonestown and the call in Georgetown, weren't used anymore. The, uh, the Georgetown call, WB6MNH, the holder of that call, she survived. You know, she was in Georgetown at the time. As far as her ham radio activities after the tragedy, I don't know. I don't think you know, that she, she did anything. And unfortunately, she'd pass away a few years later. So she is not contactable. The call used in San Francisco, I'm hoping that when, when I find someone that has the logbook, I'll recognize the name and, 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 you know, we'll see who held the call. And just because the license holder's name might be Bill, that doesn't mean that that's who was actually using the call, too. Uh, I know that uh, many times when I'm listening to these tapes, that the call sign didn't necessarily match the person who was talking, that the license holder wasn't necessarily the person talking. It'll be interesting. And then there's that fourth call that I pulled out of an old QST article, September 1980, about the tapes. And it was a call I haven't heard on the tapes yet. WD. 6-D-V-I. With E Delta 6 Delta Victor Ida. I haven't seen it transcribed in uh, any of the um, tapes that Fielding McGee has worked on, so that's kind of a mystery. I'd like to find out what that's all about. I've been speaking today with Joey Diekman, KC7CCF, a history major at the University of Oregon in Springfield. And we've been revisiting the Jonestown People's Temple Massacre November 18th of 1978, and the ham radio connection to that tragedy. This is the Rain Report. I'm Hap Holly, KC9RP, in Chicago. As a postscript to this intriguing Rain Report, it is unknown just how far Joey got into establishing just how much involvement ham radio actually had in the mass suicide at the People's Temple Agricultural Center in Jonestown, Guyana, November 18th, 1978. We shall endeavor to bring you an update to this bizarre story. The Rain Hamcast Podcast 102 is copyright 1985-2023, Rain, all rights reserved. Rain Hamcast Podcast number 103 is scheduled for release December 16, 2023. I'm Kent Peterson, KC0, DGY, bidding you a very 73 from the Radio Amateur Information Network. Keep on hamming! Rain founder, Hap Holly, KC9RP, edits and produces this bi-weekly radio hamcast without monetization. Your support via PayPal and feedback on therainreport.com are appreciated. Rain programming is made available under a Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 4.0 international license. 
you are encouraged to share, post, and transmit the Rain Hamcast in its entirety via amateur radio. Thanks to Tom Shimizu and 9JDR for posting a not-for-broadcast version of these podcasts via the Rain Report channel on YouTube. Very 73 from Rain. Keep on hamming!